0: Upworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry.
1: Hello everybody. This is Upworthy Weekly. My name is Todd Perry. Did you like how I did that by the way, Allison? How once we started recording, I had my mic out of the way and then I swung it over to my face really dramatically.
2: That was for an audio podcast amazing <laughs> or something that people aren't gonna see but i guess the way you described it they can imagine it it was very
1: dramatic i liked it thank you now here's a video of my car at arroyo Seco last week now um <laughs> so my name is todd perry a staff writer here at upworthy and with me is the wonderful allison rosen you know her from allison rosen is your new best friend the very popular podcast
2: hello everyone
1: uh we're going to go over on today's show some of the most popular and engaging stories on Upworthy from February 7th to the 11th. But we've, before we get into that, something I need to know about that I hopefully you know, Allison, um, this wordle thing.
2: Oh, my God. Are you not wordling?
1: I'm not wordling, but...
2: Oh, Todd, what have you been doing with your pandemic? You know about it, though, right?
1: I know about it because everybody's posting about it. It's become, you know, it used to be like I got annoyed when I'd find out about somebody's workout, you know, (laughs) on Instagram or Facebook. It's not CrossFit. Oh, it's not. Okay. This is not Mm -mm. CrossFit for intellectuals.
2: I mean, arguably it is, but I feel like it's... If you get stuck in a conversation with someone about Wordle, it's going to be much faster than if you get stuck in a conversation with someone about CrossFit. That's a, a lengthier proposition. So, Wordle, this guy in England created it for his wife or girlfriend who loves word games, and it's not an app or anything. You just there you just just Google Wordle and it'll take you to this website that's UK has has a UK in the name. And every day there's a new one, and it's a five-letter word. they are only ever five-letter words. So you have these five blank spaces, um, and then you just type in your guess. And then if you co- guessed the correct letter in the correct position, it turns green. If it's the correct letter but the wrong position, it turns yellow. And if it's gray, that means that letter is not in the word at all. I know it sounds confusing, but it's like very easy to follow. It's similar to a game that I never enjoyed when I was younger, but that we did own called Mastermind. Oh. And then you get six guesses to guess the word. Uh, and just one per day. And everyone's obsessed with it, except you.
1: I, I just don't know. I just don't know what it is. I just It's called a, world, a wordle, but there's a box. So I'm like, well, it's like a box. What should a word? But there's no words in it, you know. Everybody just shares like a, a a colored box.
2: Oh yes, okay. I know what you're saying. On Wordle, there's an option to share your results, and then it just shows the colors. They're looking at a sc- on 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 my phone or computer when I'm doing it. I will see letters in all those boxes. But then when you share it, it just shows the colors so as to not give away that day's Wordle to someone else.
1: Okay, all right.
2: However, however big controversy in the Wordle world, my friend, comedian Doug Benson, friend and podcaster, posted a Wordle with the answer, and <laughs> all the comments were just like, dude, what are you doing? Why'd you spoil it? What are you doing? What are you doing? Um, so... That was a real misstep on Doug's part.
1: So there's only one Wordle?
2: Per day. Okay.
1: Yeah. All right. And and Doug Benson did that. That's funny. Maybe He spoiled it. Was he possibly high and did that?
2: Probably. Probably. (laughs) In fact, Daniel, aforementioned husband, uh, not in this episode, but in general, I have mentioned him before. I made like a really dumb Wordle choice. And I was like, oh, my God. And I showed him. And he goes, what are you doing? He yelled. You know, I did not like but, he claims he was kind of joking, but I was like, I did not appreciate you biting my head off. He just had this strong reaction to me spoiling Wordle for him. And I wasn't even thinking and I admit I'm sorry, but I just wasn't thinking. So I pulled a Doug Benson in my own marriage.
1: <laughs> well, so much to unpack there. But it was it one of those things where like. You know, sometimes you overreact to something and then you go, oh, God, that was a total. And then you're like embarrassed, you know, you're like, oh, my God. They're like, oh, oh no, oh, I'm so sorry. That's just I meant to tamp that down a little bit. Or did he completely yes. own it?
2: No, uh, it was like what you just did without the apology part of it. OK. But then when I definitely reacted to his reaction and we had a conversation about it, he did apologize like a 100 times. Now, he did. He felt bad for his reaction, but I get it. It's the pandemic. All we have to look forward to is wordle.
1: <laughs> now, if I get into the wordle, is it too late now? Like, no. If I post no, it's on, not. on Twitter my wordle photo, uh, the hieroglyphics or whatever that you get when yeah. you done wordling, mm-hmm. so it's the not wordle too late.
2: Cuneiform. No, you're fine because right. you you just jump in along with the rest of us. All right, you, you're, you'll be on today's wordle too.
1: Allison, we've got some great stories this week. We've got some uh, fun stuff. We've got got a lot of relationship type stuff. I think those are some of my favorite stories we do here. So uh, what do we got on the show? What's happening?
2: Well, this first story is by a certain someone who does not do Wordle, named Todd Perry. Uh, Kristen Bell and Dak Shepard say they let their kids sleep in their room. This ran on Wednesday. The headline is, Kristen Bell and Dak Shepard let their kids sleep in their bedroom. Should you do it too? Uh, and I feel like we've talked about Kristen Bell and Dak Shepard on the show before. They're pretty forthcoming about this stuff going on in their marriage and uh, their family and stuff. And so uh, this was something I guess Kristen Bell was a guest on Dax Shepard's podcast, armchair, oh my God, I I blanked for a second on the name, armchair expert, Uh, and she was was saying that their girls sleep on the floor of their room. So here's a story she told. Uh, A few nights ago, I smell a really raunchy smell, and I'm like, who's farting? All three of them are like, sorry, it's me. So I'm like, okay, my family has gas. Uh, In the morning, I'm like, wow, nobody's gas has dissipated, but it also smells like it's burning. Uh, And it turned out that I guess I guess given the admission, her husband and her girls, they all have gas. I thought that was funny and charming because that's the kind of person I am. Um, but anyway, uh, it turned out the smell was they have this mattress pad that you have to pour water into. But she had poured a protein shake into it. I have so many questions. How does this happen? How do you not notice that you're pouring a protein? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking like, did someone... Do they keep their protein shake containers and then use them for water? And she thought it was, I don't, I don't understand, but that's what the scent was. Uh, But anyway, that aside, my thousand questions about how this happens and also like, what is this mattress pad that needs water? What's going on? All that aside, uh, regarding the letting your kids sleep in your room. So according to the National Sleep Foundation, approximately 24% of families at some point in the night have their kids in their bed and or in their room. And there's a couple different reasons it could happen. So one is because it's a lifestyle choice. Like the, the, the uh, family wants to do a family bed. And then the other one is something that a sleep expert referred to as reactive co-sleeping. So that's like your kids come into your room or they come into your bed and it's just too hard to get them out at, when you're that sleepy so you just think whatever I'm just gonna let them sleep here and we do that sometimes for the longest time we did not have any kids coming into our room but then every now and then Elliot my older one will c- climb into our bed in the middle of the night and we just we just let him sleep there um and our pediatrician actually said I mean it really it's kind of like it's whatever works for you she's like it's a phase just enjoy it and we are okay with it what about you
1: I don't think I'd allow this to happen. I mean, any time that my son comes in the room, uh, he'll just like plop down or I'll be asleep and dead to the world and not realize it and be like, wow, mm-hmm. the dog got heavier, you know, like <laughs> what's that on my feet? And uh, and then I'll just pick him up and I'll put him back uh, because I think that y- you want to develop good sleep habits with the kid or yeah, else they'll sure. they'll use you as like a sleep crutch. And mm-hmm. before you know it, you can't get the guy out, and every night you're fighting this fight when you just want to go to sleep. Um, right. And then I was, I was thinking that maybe on some level, maybe this is me being very unupworthy. But tell me if mm-hmm. I'm being wrong here. I feel yeah. maybe there's some, I will some. Pa- oh yeah, you, have, you haven't had a problem with it in the past. <laughs> I feel like if there's some parents that maybe use their kid a little bit like it's their stuffed animal. Like, they love their kid, and the kid is cuddly, so they're just like, I just want to snuggle with the kid. Even though it's kind of bad for maybe the marriage, Mm. uh, for the kid, and it seems like almost a bit of selfishness when it is tougher just to go, you know, have the kid go to bed. Like, those first nights when you're sleep training, and the kid is screaming and crying, right? and you just feel horrible, because you're being a, you feel like you're being a bad parent, but eventually they learn how to sleep and then they sleep better. You sleep better. Mm-hmm. Most importantly, my dog sleeps better. And oh, it, it's
2: important that your dog sleeps well. Yeah, that's right. This is right. Scout, right?
1: Yeah. If, if Scout doesn't, then my whole work day is going to be thrown <laughs> off because he's going to have an attitude.
2: Don't talk to Scout before he's had his
1: morning coffee. That's right. Um so that was kind of my, my thoughts on it. That I don't know so much about that. I don't know, uh, but I feel like being that as a couple, they're a little kind of indulgent with their sharing. That maybe also they'd be kind of indulgent with the having the kids in the room. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah.
2: Yes. Yes. I think so. I mean, I really think it's, I really think it's personal. I think if the parents don't mind and everyone's getting good sleep, then go for it. But if it's a situation where you're just too tired in the middle of the night to deal with it, which, again, we have been, we have done that before, um, where you're just too tired to deal with it, but resentments are growing and no one's sleeping well, then you kind of need to address it. So I didn't want to sleep train. I was too nervous about it um, just because I'm not good at hearing my child beat you know, cry or anything like that, even though I do believe the science that says that it doesn't harm them. So uh, I was doing my podcast live at Sketchfest when Elliot was a little bit over a year. So that was a year of no one in the family sleeping well. And it was the first time I'd been away. So I was in San Francisco and uh, aforementioned. And now I know I've mentioned him aforementioned husband. Did a little bit of sleep training, but he claimed, and I do believe him, that Elliot only like protested for less than five minutes. And then after that, he was like, fine. So it really was a situation where it was like, oh my God, maybe he, maybe he could have been sleeping through the night without us waking up multiple times a night to, to go get him from his crib for months. So with Owen, we were on top of it faster and he slept well from the beginning.
1: Yeah. We did it at like four months. Uh, oh, that's pretty young. My my wife, my wife got a book, one of these, one of these book things, and it was just like, read the book, and then had a yeah. paper clip. It was like, read this part of the book, which is very cool of my wife. Um, and then I read the book, and then uh, we we did the thing, so that worked out. Uh, also, just you know, if I'm Dax Shepard, you know, and you're you're laying next to Kristen Bell every night, you don't want the kids in the room, you know.
2: <laughs> there is that.
1: Uh, there is that. And then also one last thing. Okay, you've got, you got Dax Shepard, you got Kristen Bell, and you got their two kids that are seven and eight. I'm sure mm-hmm. there's a dog in there again. And that's a lot of people getting up to pee during the night in the same room. Yes. Right? Yes. And I don't know. I'm sure they, they have money. So maybe it's a big bedroom, you know? maybe. Oh, I'm
2: sure it is. It's probably got a fireplace. I mean, the girls are sleeping on the floor. Yeah. And it's there's probably a lot of room.
1: But that's somebody getting up, flushing the toilet, getting up, mm. flushing the toilet. Somebody's always up flushing the toilet pretty much the whole night, right? right? So that's also going to ruin the, the sleep, you know?
2: How many times, and it's important that we get to the bottom of this, how many times do you get up to pee in the middle of the night?
1: Upworthy,
0: Upworthy weekly. weekly.
1: People who are, quote, good at flirting are sharing the clues that tell if someone likes you.
0: Mm.
1: And this is written by Todd Perry. I'm reading this. This was a really popular story this week, so I'm not just picking my stories that I wrote. Uh, No, you're picking the popular stories that you wrote. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Most of the time it's tough to know if someone is flirting with you because they have to be subtle. They can't be too obvious because if the feeling isn't mutual, it can be pretty embarrassing. It's Mm -hmm. also tough to detect if someone is flirting because most of the time it's someone you don't know very well. So then you think to yourself...
2: Are they just being friendly?
1: Yeah. Do they like me or are they just being friendly? A study on heterosexuals published in Psychology Today found that women are only 18% accurate in recognizing men's flirting, while 36% of men were accurate about women's flirting. However... Wow. Yeah.
2: My theory on that... I would have thought women would be better at interpreting.
1: My theory on that is that possibly... Men are better at picking it up because I think women are much more careful about thro- what kind of signals they throw on to men than men are to mm-hmm. women.
2: I see. So women are more deliberate.
1: Yeah. A guy's like, oh, uh, I think, you know, <laughs> oh, I think she likes me, boss, you know? <laughs> and then in the same study, women were 83% accurate in seeing non flirting as non flirting, and men performed about the same at 84%.
2: These results are surprising to me. Yeah. Why? Uh, Because I would think that, I mean, I'm making gross generalizations, but I would think that men are not as good at, at picking up signals and also not as good at telling when someone's just being friendly versus flirting. I would think that men would be worse at that. Than women I mean again gross generalizations but the idea being that like a guy is like I think she likes me yeah. <laughs> we're doing such a good dumb guy voice I think she likes me when she doesn't even but I guess guys you know th- these results show that that people are pr- pretty uh attuned
1: at, at knowing when they're being rejected you know <laughs> uh, yes uh reddit user uh went on the uh, forum and asked quote, People good at flirting. What are some social cues us oblivious people should watch out for? Mm. And some of the good ones were if, quote, if they look directly at you while talking to their friend, it's a good sign. So so if someone's looking at you, but they're talking to like their BFF, but the focus has not changed, right? Right, right. Uh, Another one. I read once that if somebody looks at you after someone said something funny and everyone is laughing, then they like you. Yeah, to check your reaction. Yeah, so everybody, or to look. I thought that was funny. Did you think that was funny? And just to right, you know, give a nonverbal because um, mm-hmm. because the person can't control it. They hear something funny. They go, oh, what did they think? Or you know, how do right. I capitalize on this moment? <laughs> <laughs> What do I capitalize? On?
2: I don't think the the fictional lunkhead whose voice we're doing would use the word capitalize.
1: <laughs> what does capitalize mean, boss? Wow. Uh, <laughs> according to Sherlock, who I don't know who Sherlock is, but maybe he's one of these guys like mystery. Uh, oh yeah, licking lips, eyes cast downwards to the other person's lips. Quirky smile of the lips. Like what what other, how else would you smile? So much,
2: I know, right. So much lip action.
1: Hey boss, her lips were smiling.
2: (laughs) It was quirky.
1: Uh, Dilated eyes, which makes it a little tough. Like, uh,
2: Yeah, depending on the light that you're in.
1: Yeah. Uh, And if the person has long hair, tucking it behind their ear or other fidgety behavior. Mm. That one is almost such an obvious one that if I'm talking to somebody and they do that, I think, nah, they're not flirting with me because they know that's a sign of flirting. But maybe I'm oh, overthinking things. Yeah. Uh and then finally this one's good. I've noticed that women will do a little adjustment to you, like brushing a little piece of lint off your lapel or moving a stray hair off your face when talking to you. At least Yes, I yeah. for
2: sure would not do that to someone that I, there was a lot of negatives in that sense. If I'm doing that to someone back in my single days, now it just means like they're my child or something. But if I'm doing that to someone, I'm definitely like, I definitely am open to having some kind of relationship with them because that's such an intimate gesture to like pick, to to touch someone like that.
1: Yeah. And even though like if you, if you picked a tissue out of your uh, pocket and then like licked it, and it started like <laughs> taking a smudge off their cheek right. or something, yeah. uh, grabbing the back of the head. Like. Mm-hmm. Totally.
2: Yes. If you're changing their diaper, that's so intimate. You know, it's funny. When I was younger, uh, like I'm curious about the, the age group of the people discussing this and the people being polled. Because when I was younger, there was so much more mystery around all of it and i spent hours with friends being like yeah and then i said this and then he said this and then i said this what do you think that means and there was so so much time spent trying to figure out what things mean and how do i it it was just this was such a a big area of uh intrigue to me whereas now it's i feel like it's pretty simple it's just sort of amount of attention it's just attention
1: yeah it's uh my my buddy the great al chang once said, he was saying, I was, I, I think I was talking to him, like, does this girl like me? Is this, and he was like, Todd, anything positive is a positive. Yeah. Which sounds kind of pointless, but anything kind of, there's a baseline. And then when people, when, the, you know, somebody starts going over the baseline, well, first of all, you're a little suspicious that they might be interested. And then something starts right. going over the baseline. Then it's time to investigate, you know? Mm hmm. Right. Uh, uh, what are some things that you've seen that you think, oh, this person's flirting with me?
2: Well, as a married person, I will say that when people slide into my DMs and are like, well, I feel like I should be careful saying that because then some some, uh, some listener who's like not trying to be inappropriate at all will be like, I was just being friendly. Ugh. But I do feel like there's a certain type of uh type of attention online where I feel like this this feels like too much like Mm. I'm like I'm I'm married and we don't you don't know me and what's going on um you know I think it's just a sort of a a, the conversation going on longer than it needs to or joking around compliments those kind of things
1: When, when the small talk becomes like aggressively upbeat small talk yeah. You know, uh, I found
2: it's, it's, it's so, this is so, uh, inarticulate, but it's just, it's vibing. It's a vibe. Yeah.
1: yeah. What uh, were you going to say? Yeah. And, and I feel like somebody, sometimes when people, they get, they, they kind of broach the normal distance that you would have in talking with somebody, they get a little closer, mm-hmm. they lean in a little more. Uh, I found when somebody starts saying, you're so blank right oh you're so cheeky or you know
2: (laughs) yeah it's that teasing energy kind of
1: yeah like some kind of like bickering like when somebody Mm -hmm. like you barely know them and they start immediately like kind of prodding you or making fun of you a little bit in a way that suggests that they're way closer to you than they actually are
2: yes you know that's a good way of putting it yeah yes like striking up a sort of a overly intimate connection yeah like connection,
1: We're going to go there already. We're already, right. you know, we've already known each other forever kind of thing. But right. There was um, one time it was a gal that later became my girlfriend. And the way she communicated it to me was pretty great. Like we were talking at like a club, like outside. And we had some mutual friends or whatever. And I remember I was just sitting there talking with her, having a drink. And I was like, oh, like she's super cute, you know, and we're vibing, you know. We're vibing like the kids do. And, yeah. uh, and then I remember she just grabbed my hand and just dragged me over to where her friends were.
2: Oh, that's for sure a something. Yeah. It was like for a,
0: sure like, flirting. yeah, I,
1: yeah, like almost like caveman. Like I just bonked you over the head <laughs> and it was cool. Obviously she thought that I liked her too. Cause that, that is taking mm-hmm. a little bit of a risk. You know, you would be like, right. what, sure. what, what you doing girl? Yeah. You know? Um, so I always remember that as being, Oh, that was easy. Now I know where this mm-hmm. goes. Right.
2: Yes. I can for sure remember being younger and being at parties or at, sh- um, I, I used to go to a lot of music shows, things like that. So anywhere where it's loud, um, like leaning in close so that I can hear him or like with saying it into his ear, things like that. Just anything to create physical closeness is yeah. is flirting
1: usually. Uh, I remember one time, uh, a, a dude was flirting with me and I, I completely missed all the signals till the end of the conversation, which I was in a, I was in a kind of like a punk rock bar in Long Beach mm-hmm. where I live. And Long Beach is very, like very, one of the, like the gayest cities in California. You know, there's like really right. big gay population. It's cool. It's a very diverse city. But, and I think this guy was kind of new in the scene. So maybe he went to a bar where it wasn't necessarily a gay bar or whatever. And, um, I remember I was sitting down, and I had, like, very little money. I was, like, in college, and I just had, like, enough for, like, one beer or whatever. And then the guy bought me a drink. And I was like, oh, cool. And he was, like, a big, like, looked like a football player. Like, mm-hmm. and we're gabbing, and then he's like, oh, let me get you a drink. I said, oh, thanks, you know, it's was being nice. And then he goes, you know, I'm starting to figure out who I really am. Mm. And I was like, oh, right on, dude. That's cool. <laughs> like <laughs> You know who you are, man. That's cool. You know, dude, you know. I was <laughs> uh, just happy in me. And then like a couple minutes later, he kind of drops it in there. He's, you know, I'm starting to figure out who I really am. And I'm like, that's so cool, bro, you know. And this keeps going, like, I'm totally oblivious. And then there's a band playing, so it was kind of like a punky bar. And mm-hmm. so the, the people in there were getting a little, like, kind of moshy. Not not hardcore, but, like, just kind of pushing each other around. And one guy kind of slammed into the bar by where we were sitting. Jeez. Mm, and, you know, it wasn't anything aggressive. It was just people being drunk and whatever.
2: Flailing around, yeah. Yeah. As, as, by the as, way, last week we talked about when it's time to leave a party, when I'm in a smallish room and that starts happening, people start running in a circle and throwing their bodies around. Then I'm like, and I'm out of here. Yes.
1: Call the Uber. But the, <laughs> And then the, the guy turned to me and goes, look, if things get out of hand in here, I'll protect you. And I was like, okay. Oh, ding, ding, ding. Like, oh, that's, <laughs> this is what's happening here. Oh, 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 okay, cool. All right. Right on. And then I was like, "Oh, I get it. you know, I got what was mm. happening, but it took me like this this dude was throwing throwing yeah. the uh, signs Pants. at me, and oh, duh, duh, so you know. what did you do? I just hung out and thanked him for the beer later and left when I was going to leave and had a nice conversation, and didn't you know uh, didn't be weird, good. yeah, I just, yeah, I was like, "Do, bro, man, you get no um, <laughs> who, who cares? you know It was just like, oh it was, right. it was, a, it was a compliment, you know, so yes.
2: I just wondered if you were like, oh, I have I been giving him the wrong idea?
1: Ah, no, I don't really think so. Um, Yeah. But who who knows? It
2: doesn't sound like it. It doesn't sound like. It doesn't sound like you needed to clarify. Yeah. I say as someone completely extraneous to the situation. Thank you. Upworthy Upworthy Weekly. Weekly. How much do you love Dolly Parton? And are you ready to love her more?
1: I, I'm all in. I'm all in. Let's You're do already it. all in. Yeah.
2: Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't. I mean, I feel like for a, a while she was when I was very young, she was almost a punchline because of her physique. Yeah. But now she's really become a hero. Uh, so Dolly Parton's Dollywood theme park to pay full tuition for employees pursuing higher education, and this is by Seth Raman S. And it ran on Thursday. What the hell was that?
0: Morning. The following story is super wholesome. It scared me. Share goodness may cause some to regain their faith in humanity and to burst into uncontrollable tears of joy.
2: So, Dollywood Parks and Resorts will provide free tuition and cover the cost of books for its employees. They are launching a program on February 24th called Grow You. Uh, Hershed Enterprises, which is Dollywood's parent company, announced the program can be accessed by 11,000 of its seasonal, part-time, and full-time employees. So you're just working there part-time, and you can get your tuition covered. That's incredible. Uh, At their 25 U.S. attractions, including Dollywood. And I didn't realize this, but they are following the lead of other companies companies that perhaps you and I might not think are were so progressive but Best Buy, Chipotle Home Depot provide up to $5,000 a year tuition cost to their employees and Starbucks offers to pay for its workers online college degrees through Arizona State University and then last year, again I was pretty blown, I didn't, I don't know I had my head in the sand uh, Walmart announced that it would pay for college tuition and oh. books for its 1.5 million US employees and added that it would invest close to one over the next five years in career training and development programs for workers who want to work in related fields so go companies trying to uh lighten the load of student loan debt which can be just a huge burden
1: oh yeah Uh, i think it's interesting because it shows you have a commitment to your employees that goes beyond like the quid pro quo right right um I think it's also, there's something a benefit for the company is that you lure in probably better qualified candidates who are probably going to do a right. better job. And I'm right. sure there's tons of studies that show that with this type of program, you're going to get better loyalty mm. or um, people are going to so, stick with you. Or- so
2: cynical. You think they're just looking at the bottom line. No, I think you're totally right. Yeah. So no, I think you lure more more highly qualified candidates and then also you end up with more highly qualified employees. I mean- more educated yeah i, I mean think, that's a that's a huge great perk i think
1: yeah and it's a it's just a win-win it's you know what it's the market the, the labor market working out perfectly you know right uh, you get great employees and the the employees benefit from it it's it's a win-win it's like when they have mm-hmm. situations where they they give people like raises i think this was i did a story on um i think it was costco that gave kind of beyond the pale not beyond i mean beyond the normal kind of pay raise mm-hmm. and they realize that the more they up the pay raise the greater productivity they got and so it's just a win-win across the board and so it's a much cooler way of looking at things than people going normally the workers being exploited mm-hmm. um you know there's there's it's great seeing workers have leverage and I think also these days, in a time when it's harder for people to find employees, it's a great time, I think, for people to get jobs because it's a much more even footing. It's kind of things working the Mm -hmm. way they should, I feel.
2: Yes. Yeah, maybe that's one. I I hesitate to say silver lining of the pandemic because it feels like it's it's been so awful for so many people, we shouldn't say silver lining. But there is that, that now workers do have some leverage because- everyone's hemorrhaging employees yeah.
1: i mean it's nice that finally dolly parton got out there and did something for somebody for once but
2: finally she's just been taking taking taking
1: <laughs> the one thing i liked uh upworthy did a story maybe uh, six months or so ago uh, that somebody they put together a GoFundMe that everywhere in tennessee where she's from where they remove a confederate statue of like you know Robert E. Lee or whatever on a horse Mm -hmm. that they replace it with a statue of Dolly Parton I love it isn't that great
2: she's her music is I mean unless people like truly appreciated her continuously and I'm just becoming aware of it I really feel like she's come into her own because her music has always been great but now she's this humanitarian and hero go Dolly upworthy Upworthy Weekly.
0: weekly
1: Jimmy Fallon asked his viewers why their high school was, quote, weird, and the responses were great. Everyone dealt with some amount of weirdness while they were in high school, so Jimmy Fallon asked his Tonight Show audience to share the stories with hashtag MyHighSchoolWasWeird, and he read some of his favorites on the show. And uh, here are some of the good ones. Jimmy Fallon tweeted, One time a swim meet was canceled at my friend's high school because the pool, quote, Caught on fire. I still have no idea how that's possible.
2: That's amazing.
1: Figure maybe there was some kind of like gas leak or some kind of weird chemical th- He's from Massachusetts, right? Isn't he?
2: Oh, I don't know. I don't know that. That feels right.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know because he he did all that Massachusetts stuff on SNL. But um, if so, I'm feeling like maybe it's just like the soil in that part of the yeah. world is just like terrible. Right. Gas came up
2: It's flammable
1: Another one Guy wrote My high school was weird Because Grimace Won every student vote By a landslide
2: Oh that's amazing
1: If you weren't writing In Grimace on your ballots Then you were a narc (laughs) Oh that's so good That's a total Total like Gen X term By the way Such a narc Uh, (laughs) You'd think Mayor McCheese Would make more sense Being an actual politician But I guess enough kids Couldn't spell it Or something Mm. And another one, I guess is someone probably from Linwood, California. It's a which perfect response because like why would your high school weird? Um Weird Al graduated from my high school. On the opposite end of the spectrum, Shug Knight also graduated from my high school. Ooh. And I nice. say, why are they opposites? They're both prominent musicians. Right. That's right. Uh my high school,
2: one of the Metallica guys graduated. Uh Mark name escapes me from Sugar Ray. Oh, oh my God. What how how can I forget? Mark McGrath. Oh yeah. Uh yeah. They were called the Shrinky Dinks back then. Um one of the Bangles, and uh Oh, someone else, but I'm forgetting. Oh, and the co host of Upworthy Weekly graduated from my high school. Woo!
1: Uh also yeah. a co-host of uh Upworthy Weekly and the producer graduated from my high school. Uh, oh,
2: I didn't know that.
1: Also, uh Yes, I did. <laughs> Chuck Norris okay. Chuck Norris went to North High School in Torrance, California, where I went. And um it's kind of funny there's actually a petition going around to change the school from North High School to Norris High School. Ooh, yeah. Which I, I think is badass. That. And I think also the school mascot, Hello, should be some kind of like Chuck Norris, like missing an action kind of character instead of a Saxon, which is basically just a white guy.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Come on. Step into, the, step into the now. Read the room.
1: One other alumni was a guy who was actually my neighbor, uh, the star of Jackass, Jason Weeman Acuna. Oh, nice. So yeah, he did went. Did you to, know him? Yeah, yeah, he was my neighbor, and uh, I think we did. If you're ever gonna make a list of the most Gen X thing you could do besides call somebody a narc, it would be <laughs> we used to read the anarchist cookbook together. Okay, me of and course. me and Wee Man, and it wasn't online back then because it wasn't an online. It was like an old tattered uh, book. That was like, mm-hmm. you know, photocopied a billion times from like one dude to the next dude, like somebody's older brother. And you just passed this book and it told you how to like, you know, build bombs or whatever. But
2: I always I was always so intrigued by this book and I wanted to get a copy of it just because I was curious about it. But I never got one. But didn't it also tell you how to get high from household items?
1: Why? Yes, it did. Allison Rosen. <laughs> that's what
2: that's my memory of it. Uh Yeah. So anyway, at my high school, the superintendent was named Ron Howard, and I, some, I feel like maybe I've already told this story, but um, someone spray-painted Ron, again, You get ready to bleep, Ron Howard is a masturbator, but they misspelled masturbator, and it stayed on the wall for I don't know how long. I feel like it was there for the, all four years that I was there. You'd think they would have taken it down, but they didn't.
1: They didn't have any paint?
2: I don't know. Or maybe they tried to remove it and it just etched it into the brick somehow.
1: We had a uh, drama teacher. I was in. I was a thespian. Oh. And when I was in the school play, uh, we had a teacher named Mr. Coring, who I'm sure is probably passed at this point. And he would sit, we had like this big, it was like a gymnasium that had like a, a stage in it, and it would be mm-hmm. totally dark, just the lights on the stage, and all you'd see was this cherry of a cigarette. <laughs> and he'd sit there and smoke the entire practice in an enclosed building and just go, quiet backstage! And you'd just see this, and you'd smell the smoke, and all you'd see was just the light, the red glowing cherry, you know. The occasional match. Yeah. And then the cigarette, and he would just sit and smoke all day. Like one last, One last thing for Weird High School. So... In hindsight, this is very strange because you know they have different like cultural clubs in high school.
2: Yeah, sure.
1: So they had they had the European club, which to me kind of rubbed wrong. You know, it seems right. kind of like
2: white people club.
1: Yeah, basically the white people club. Uh, and then their argument was, well, if we have our you know clubs for you know. The Japanese club And if we have mm-hmm. You know The Sounds of Blackness club Then we should Have the European club And for some reason The European club They had a They had a fashion show uh, <laughs> Not not the Was it just Yeah it was Guys in khakis Just walking No
2: uh, <laughs> I'm No I'm imagining Like Hans and Dieter From SNL
1: Yes So they had a thing Where it was a All the different clubs Had a fashion show So one of my teachers was like the sponsor of the European club and came to me. I was not in the European club, but okay. said, Todd, we don't have anybody who will fit the leader hosen. <laughs> oh, this is so good. So I was like, you know, I was always game, you know, I was class president yeah. or whatever. Uh, and so you had to do those kind of things. <laughs> right. And so I said, sure, I'll wear the leader hosen and had to walk under the banner of the European club dressed as a little german and there's some inspiring i think there's a photo in the high school yearbook of this of todd perry in his lederhosen like i just normally wear lederhosen right looking to like to
2: honor your your uh, fatherland
1: yeah like i'm looking like i just got thrown out of jojo rabbit or something <laughs>
0: <laughs> upworthy, upworthy weekly, weekly. It's time to rate your week. Have something great happen this week that you just have to share with the world? Tell us about it by emailing us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com.
1: So, Allison, on a scale of one to five, one being horrifyingly terrible, five being transplendent. How was your week?
2: I'm going to give this week a three. This week was only okay. okay. Um, there was a COVID exposure at my kid's school and they won't say who it is, but it, but I asked, can you let me know? Is it someone that plays closely with my, with my son? Cause they said which class it was. And it is someone I've, I've since found out from the moms who it is, but anyway, it is someone who my son plays with. So we're just kind of hunkered down waiting. Um, I feel like we're going to be okay. But anytime I hear a sniffle or a sneeze or like, I had a really bad headache yesterday. I'm like, Oh, it's happening. Oh yeah. But there's been 45,000 times during this pandemic that I've been sure it's happening and then it's not happening. So, um, but I am, so they've had to stay home from school. I'm just a little worried about it. Um, you know, they had dentist appointments. I had a doctor's appointment. I reschedule all of those but I was thinking, do I – I think it's the right thing to do, but I'm just wondering like how – I was thinking all the parents of the kids in in this class, they're probably still going to work, right? Because one kid in their kid's class tested positive. I can't imagine every single person is staying home. Like I don't know what the right thing to do is when it's not – a it, when it's like a, not exactly a direct exposure, it's like someone in the class. So does everyone, do, do, does the family of everyone who has a kid in that class, did they all say, I don't know. Uh,
1: I would, I would think not. I think, uh, right. you know, if your kid has it, then yeah, you stay home or work yes. from home or whatever. But I think one generation past, I think is a bit much, especially when you're dealing with very young kids. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't want to get into the whole, you know, these age groups spread and those, because I don't. I don't want to get a warning from Spotify, but, uh,
2: (laughs) oh, and then I'm just, what I'm describing is something that's not exactly a three. I'm going to say 2.5 actually. Uh, my husband heard a noise in the attic last night. And then this morning we heard a smell, we smelled a smell. We didn't hear it. Uh, did I talk about the rat situation with you one time? Did I tell you a horrendous rat story or was that on one of, uh, was that on Childish?
1: You told me about, yeah, we talked about, oh yeah, how there was a rat that was at your parents' house.
2: Oh yes. Okay. That was, that was the up, that was the upworthy, uplifting rat story. (laughs) I haven't told you the bummer rat stories. So we had a rat situation a couple months ago and an exterminator came out and they did all the exclusions, which means like make, they make it so the rats can't get in, but they didn't want to deal with the crawl space. They're like, we're pretty sure it's coming from up here. So for whatever, they kind of blew me off when I brought up the crawl space. And now I do think they are getting in through the crawl space. And so we need to have them back out. But I just feel frustrated because I feel a little bit like exterminators. It's sort of like car mechanics in that they're dealing with a population of people who is. Uh, sorry, I thought I heard something. Um, I feel like they're sort of like car mechanics in that they they hold all the cards because, like, I don't know anything about. Uh, you know crawl spaces attics pests all of that stuff in the same way that I don't know much about cars so I'm really at their mercy and I feel that they did not do the best job I don't mean to be a Karen regarding the exterminators but come on people we are still having some uh, trespassers in our attic so anyway but also it just makes me really sad it makes me sad I, I didn't even know we had traps up there anymore but I guess we do
1: what is it about you that keeps attracting rodents? Is the question.
2: I don't know. I think they I, Well, my cheese perfume. Oh. My peanut butter shampoo. Um and just my general vibe, I guess. Are you a better person than you were last week? No, I don't think so. I think I'm pretty much the same I think what you oh no no I am actually sorry I was going to say what you're looking at is the picture of stasis but uh, I am very afraid of horror movies I cannot handle them I don't watch I don't like anything that creeps me out but I on my own watched a horror movie, which I'm not sure it's truly horror, but from beginning to end, and then I wasn't even disturbed and I went to sleep and I wasn't even scared i'm tr- I've truly become an adult, and what I watched was the 1975 uh, hit Stepford Wives. Now, um. I don't know if it really counts as horror, it's more like thriller and it's really not scary. But it, it, you know, it's considered, it's classified as horror. So, therefore, what I'm saying stands.
1: I thought you were going to say you saw House of Gucci. <laughs> but, <laughs> you yeah. know, who's in the 1975 Stepford Wives?
2: Uh, Catherine Ross, who was in the graduate. Okay. Um, this wa- a woman named Paula Prentice. Oh, yeah. And Pat, is his name Patrick O'Neill? Um. Mary Stuart Masterson. I think she makes her screen debut. She plays one of the kids and her actual father plays Walter, the male protagonist, antagonist. Have you seen it? No. Do you know the story?
1: I know they made one a couple of years ago. They they remade it with Nicole Kidman.
2: That was with Nicole Kidman and Christopher Walken and Matthew Broderick and Glenn Close. That one was like widely panned. Yeah. Um, This one I think was just gently panned, but it's, I I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's it feels like a quaint film, given what we're going through nowadays. You know, yeah. it's sort of just about uh, uh, gender roles and city versus suburbs, that kind of stuff. It's worth a watch.
1: Well, the good thing is that you took a step out of your comfort zone, and then next you might see something a little more scarier. You know, and, and you can... Maybe you're going to find a whole genre, and like the next five years out of your life, you'll be like, I want to see this other horror movie.
2: Yes. Uh, I know. Daniel was suggesting maybe we watch The Shining next, but I don't know that I could handle that one.
1: I think you'll be okay.
2: I don't know. Maybe. What about you, Todd? How was your week on a scale of one, just awful, to five? Amazing.
1: Uh, I'm going to give it a 2.5. Not much has happened this week, but- The weather has been phenomenal for being February in the L.A. area, and uh, it's been like 80 degrees every day, like 82 degrees and sunshiny. So that has made me happy, Uh, and I've spent a couple nights drinking in my hot tub, just hanging out, listening to music you know kind of like having that like Leonardo DiCaprio once upon a time in Hollywood with the headphones on where he's just kind of like sure. hey 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 yeah so i i i've been into the 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 weather this week so that's been my my plus
2: uh for me this weather has detracted i'm not a, i'm not a big hot weather person uh. so i'm like why is it 80 something it was 91 day here in burbank why yeah. are why are we doing this in february but that's me
1: Oh, I'm all about it. It's like I come alive, you know?
2: Yeah. You're just like a tortoise. Uh, Are you a better person?
1: Uh, I'm going to let you judge this. Okay. So put on your judgment (laughs) hat. Already on. Okay. Uh, So last week I was, uh, I forgot to wear deodorant one day. And so at the end of the day, I didn't, I didn't realize it, it was a thing. And at like seven o'clock at the end of the day, I was like, "Ooh, <laughs> little,
2: little." Was it ripe? L-
1: slightly ripe, though. Just enough okay. to know I'm alive. You know.
2: <laughs> well, you did say you come alive in this weather.
1: Yeah, and so it was just just a little bit. And then I yeah. thought, you know, for doing a whole day without any deodorant, um, I I think I smell pretty good. Like. You know, mm-hmm. I think someone would have to get real close to me to realize I hadn't worn anything right so i I said, you know, let me try to do like an a b test let me do like a one day on one day off one day on one day off, and you mm-hmm. know as you're long- doing
2: your own research
1: that that's right that's exactly that's what we're all about now we're <laughs> we don't want to get the thing on Spotify at the beginning because I'm sure they no. scan. All the shows, when they hear someone right. say, I did my own research, then we're going to get a, a disclaimer <laughs> and it's right. going to mess with our numbers. But um, no. And so then I was like, you know what? Maybe I can start pivoting to being a little more natural about this. Because, you know, for years I've had this fear that maybe I would stink. Um, or mm. like I worked in an office with people and, you know, you wouldn't want to be the stank guy the in the guy, office. Yeah. But then I thought maybe I could be a little more natural. Uh, these days and if I'm not going to be, you know, riding a bike a long distance mm-hmm. or giving a presentation like in all the deodorant commercials where the person has to hold up the big foam core thing. Uh, right. And, not and have then it- they've got the puddle. Yeah. Yeah. I think that maybe I smell pretty good. And uh, you know. Right. You're not
2: going to be like on a subway reaching for the... <laughs> but then you can't you're afraid to lift your arm
1: right and i think there's benefits to having just your natural pheromones be out there in the world so i don't know what are
2: what are those benefits
1: well i think that uh, i think it's a communication thing i think people communicate through their Mm. their
2: uh, right you're masking your your pheromone communication i think my ephemera right
1: i see and i
2: recently have gotten into dry shampoo Ah. Uh, I never really, it was not really a tool in my arsenal before, but I recently got into it and I posted about it and it turns out almost like so, so like over a hundred comments from people being like, how have you lived without dry shampoo? But for both you and me, what we're doing is we are exploring, uh, abandoning aspects of hygiene. (laughs) So I think that speaks to where we are in the pandemic, like, When a dog begins like biting its tail because it's bored, Hmm. we're having to come, you know, we could be channeling this into like, I'm writing a book. I'm learning how to bake. But no, you're like, I'm going to try to see what happens if I don't wear deodorant. And I'm like, how long can I go without washing my hair with water? Um, So I say this is a fun thing. I think you should rope your wife into it because I do trust you and your sense of smell. But I'm wondering, and this is a thing in those commercials. I don't know if it's true, but like, what if you go, and this is in, in commercials? What if you go nose blind? You oh. can't tell you, you can't sense your own funk.
1: Well, here's the great thing: is she's gonna let me know if I stink? There, That's true. There is no. Oh yeah, you don't have
2: to let her know. Yeah. There's no. I mean, you don't have to
1: let her know what you're doing. No way in hell, Sarah Perry is gonna let that one go by because it's right. a chance for her to win again. <laughs>
0: upworthy Upworthy weekly
2: weekly. uh here's a story by heather wake that ran on thursday with the headline how a man roller skated 685 miles to attend martin luther king jr's i have a dream speech Ah!
0: i told you to warn me warning the following story is super wholesome its sheer goodness may cause them to regain their faith in humanity and to burst into uncontrollable tears of joy. Sorry,
1: it, it, I don't have any control over it. It just goes off.
2: We're going to have to do less wholesome stories because I don't know if I can handle that. So anyway, let's talk about this, though. Um, so about 250,000 people traveled to the March on Washington in 1963, which is where Martin Luther King Jr. gave his super famous I Have a Dream speech, famous and inspirational. And one of these people who traveled there was Ledger Smith, a 27-year-old athlete and entertainer. But he didn't just travel like like uh, like his wife, his 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 conventional wife just took the train no he roller skated there he traveled all the way from Chicago on roller skates uh he was better known as the roller man okay. and he skated 685 miles skating for 10 straight days to prepare for this journey he ran five miles every day for two weeks prior now I'm thinking wouldn't roller skating every day have been a you know a better preparation but look This is why he did it and I didn't. So he skated for 10 hours a day for a little over a week and he arrived having lost 10 pounds. Mm. Uh, He said that usually he was met with encouragement along the way. However, at one point a man tried to run him down with his car, but he didn't. Yeah. Uh, And here's something that I didn't know. So Martin Luther King followed nine uh, other speakers and originally He planned to only speak up there for four minutes, but then uh, he was prompted by gospel singer Mahalia Jackson, who said, tell tell him about the dream. And then he spoke for 16 minutes, and the most famous part of his I Have a Dream speech was improvised. I did not realize this. I didn't know that either. I know. That's amazing. Amazing. Amazing that it was improvised, and amazing that this dude roller skated there. Well,
1: i just think like, the best... When I improvise is talking about how I'm getting into this funky? In, yeah, getting funky. Martin Luther King Junior He does I have a dream. Tells you when, you know, someone's in an elevated mind space versus living in the gutter. Um I you know Todd. I think we can add to how amazing this guy's trip is because he traveled that in August. Now I'm sure oh, my word. August going from Illinois to Washington. Uh, I'm sure you're going to deal with a lot of very terrible humidity. Yes. And I don't know whether he was wearing short shorts or what the deal was, but imagine that long trip in the humidity, in the heat, on the hot asphalt, going all that way uh, to go see Dr. King. I think that's a beautiful thing. And it looks like I, I checked out the story that he had freedom written on his chest, which is pretty awesome.
2: Yeah, I think in addition to roller skating, <clears throat> in addition to him being on skates, part of the reason that he received the encouragement and also was almost run off the road by someone in their car was because of the sign he was wearing. I do have a lot of questions. Like, okay, so he's on roller skates, mm-hmm. but then he needs to stop and use the restroom if he does. Again, it's clear this is a concern of mine. Does he skate into an establishment or does he also have shoes? And if he has shoes with him, are they like, Tied? where are the shoes you know his the basic things he needs does he have a backpack well, does his wife who's in the train have them and they periodically meet up I'm gonna need a I need a movie made about this
1: yeah I feel like it could be kind of like wild like that movie with Reese Witherspoon mm-hmm. mixed with the straight story about the guy on the tractor yeah. to go see his his dying brother I think that kind of right. uh, mi- mixed with Forrest Gump
2: Yes, all of it. You know. This is definitely going to win an award. Yeah, I was
1: thinking like 600. It's called Wheel.
2: Wheel. (laughs) No, it's called Roll Roll
1: is what it's called. Freedom Wheeler.
2: (laughs) Or or that, yeah. Uh,
1: Maybe that's kind of lame.
2: No, I like it.
1: Freedom Wheeler.
2: Wait, his last, it's just, maybe it's just called Ledger.
1: Yeah. No, because they're going to think it's about Heath Ledger.
2: Right, right. Or someone who's keeping track of something. Maybe it's called Rollerman, because that's what they called him.
1: Uh, You know, I'm thinking, uh, like, do you have to get multiple sets of wheels for your roller Mm. skates? Like, are those... And, and are they like the old metal ones people used to have? Or are they right. like roller skates, like kind of the rubbery ones? And do those eventually yeah. just wear down over 685 miles? Like, what's the mileage have to. On, on a set of roller skates?
2: Right. These are all important questions. And does he have like a little can of oil that he brings with him, like the Tin Man, Oh, you yeah. know, to oil his skates if they need oil?
1: Yeah, to keep it going. I mean,
2: that could and be... And I wonder if... If you're really going to... I wonder ho- if... Oh. Gonna say, I wonder if when he encountered the rollerblade, he's like, Oh man, if only I'd been doing this a few years later.
1: It, I'm, I'm thinking, like, you know, in, when they Hollywoodify these stories, it's you know, they got to add some element of drama to it that may not have existed, right. but maybe as he's cruising into Washington, his roller skates like the rubber on him gets lower and lower and lower. Yes. And he's like, Am I gonna have enough skate? remaining in order to get to dr king's speech you know yes
2: raise the stakes
1: yeah and so he's like oh no am i gonna make it i mean i mean he could just take him off and walk the rest of the way or like hey get a bus or something but Mm -hmm. he really wants to get there in those particular skates yes you know anyway i think i think it's a beautiful story and one i had not heard so that's that's one of the cool reasons why we celebrate black history month so um, yes i think it was obama said that Black History Month wasn't just about hearing about Martin Luther King Jr. or like the major people or like Barack Obama. Uh, it's also, it's these small stories uh, that everybody needs to hear about, and it's a good excuse for us to share them. So happy Agreed. we could do it on the show. And I'd like to thank everybody for listening to this episode of Upworthy Weekly. I hope none of you had a uh, heart attack from listening to the wholesomeness alert, but we wanted to make sure that everybody knew when we were doing a wholesome story and to know right, wholesome. so you're not
2: caught off guard yeah. by how wholesome it is.
1: I In this world, wholesomeness can slap you upside the head. <laughs> it really can. And I'd like to thank Allison Rosen for doing the show with me today. Thank you. And thank you all for uh, subscribing. Please leave us a review. Uh, on You know, especially if you're on Apple, we've been getting some great reviews coming in, so thank you very much. We'd like to keep those going. And, yeah, uh
0: please. We'll talk to you next week. Upworthy Weekly was produced by Todd Perry. Follow Upworthy on all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen. And Todd at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Questions, comments, or to tell us about your amazing week, email us at Upworthyweekly at Upworthy.com. I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week.